is it to have three guys running deep down the field you can choose from to throw to? Uh, just three. Um, you said it. It's fun. It's fun to be a part of it. It's fun to be the quarterback of this group. Uh, the receivers making plays. The backs, obviously. Um, it's just great to be a part of this group. What's the key to get 405 passing yards today? What's the key? Yeah. Uh, great play calling. And the only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? Yeah! How about them Cowboys? Indeed. Cowboys win. Cowboys win. Cowboys win. 35-17, to 17, the final score in a dominant win at AT&T Stadium by the Dallas Cowboys. And we are here to react to it all on About Them Cowboys. I am Kent Garrison, your producer for this session, as our Cowboys experts here at The Athletic dive into week one. And here joining me, who is actually at the game today and will share some insight into what it was like both at the stadium and in the locker room after the game. It's John Mashoda. Howdy, John. Hello, boys. It's uh, pretty exciting times right now for these Dallas football Cowboys. Uh, to say the least, John, to say the least. When is it not exciting times, though, around around these parts with the Cowboys? <laughs> At least uh, from a discussion perspective. And taking over hosting duties, backed by popular demand, somewhat popular demand, Kevin K.T. Turner. Welcome back, Kevin K.T. Turner. Well, happy to be here, guys, and and really thrilled that uh, that was a very relaxing game to watch uh, from home. I wasn't like, you know, doing the John Mashota beat reporter duties, you know, out at the game, but from the couch, a very comfortable, you know, non-nail-biting fourth quarter like we've had over the last couple of years. Wow. Uh, you know, we talked predictions in our ex- athletic exclusive episode. If you want all the episodes of this podcast, by the way, you need to subscribe to The Athletic. We do two episodes a week. One of those is free to everybody, which you're probably listening to right now if you're on iTunes or Spotify or something like that. But we do an exclusive episode every single week. And last week, we previewed the Giants. We all previewed a dominant victory. But Kevin, just turning it over to you, who was not on that episode Man, we we predicted a, you know a Cowboys win, but certainly not this dominant. Yeah, and I think it's it's a lot of things there when you start to look at the style of play too. We knew Zeke would be on a pitch count. Um, you knew that the Giants had some weak links defensively. You know that they had had a very vulnerable secondary. But if you would have said, "Yeah, the Cowboys are going to come out and just sling it around all, all day," I would have been like, "Well, okay, I just prove it first before I believe it." And I'll be darned if Kellen Moore didn't go out and call not only a perfect game, but be a very surprising game, or at least a different game than we're we've been used to seeing as uh, following this team over the over the past little while. Uh, I think for the Kellen Moore era, you could not have uh, scripted things off to a better start than what happened today with Dak being awesome and the receivers making plays. And uh, really not having to rely on your uh, your fifty million dollar guaranteed running back. Yeah, Kellen Moore obviously was the talk of in the locker room after the game. You know, uh, everybody was praising him, and and you know within reason. I just I'll say this. You know, Zeke he had the thirteen carries, and uh, I think Pollard had about thirteen as well. And it, yeah, the running game on paper doesn't look like it was very good, but the running game is the reason that they won that game 35-17. And that's because the Giants sold all out to stop the run, like most teams do against the Cowboys when they're facing Ezekiel Elliott. And that's what opened everything up. And, and the thing that you know I noticed, and obviously the guys were talking about after the game, was really the play-action stuff. The, the, 
the stuff that would come and, and it would suck the linebackers in and it would leave all these these gaps and these voids in the back end of the defense. And then that's why you had these wide open, you know, deep balls. But with that being said, obviously Dak Prescott was on the money. Uh, Kellen Moore calling the the game that he did made Dak Prescott look as comfortable, if not the most comfortable as I've ever seen him for an entire game. Uh, he never looked rattled. The offensive line was obviously very good as well. Um, so great, yeah, great start for Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. Um, but then at the same time, I don't know really know what this Giants defense is. And then also this is kind of, you would expect, them to be somewhat successful early on just because there is no tape out on Kellen Moore. And now teams will have this to go off of, but I still think it's going to take more games than this for teams to start figuring out what they like to do in certain situations. But uh, um, the way that this season has started out and the, and the teams they play these first three weeks, uh, if you're a Cowboys fan, you, you, you know, you have to be absolutely elated. Yeah. Let's go to that first drive. I mean, the first play of the game was a play action and then they threw it to Cooper uh, on the right side. And on the second play, I thought it was an RPO, um, but it might not. It might have been a, just a scheduled fake handoff. But the point is, you had formations. You had uh, a lot of different formations. You had a lot of pre-snap motion. You had guys lining up in different spots. And these are all things that we've been kind of moaning about over the last three years. We've just been going, man, why can't we do this? Why can't we be more creative? I'll be darned, man. They were really creative. Now, that first drive did end up uh, – not working out, uh, just given that there was a drop over the middle. Uh, there was a Cooper drop over the middle. And then, uh, you know, they ended up having to punt and the Giants take it down and score. So it didn't like, it wasn't all hunky dory, you know. But then once the offense really got settled in, I thought you made a great point that the offensive line did a great job. I mean, when you look at the Giants team, at least my main area of concern with them was their defensive front. And I thought Travis in his first game back after missing a year, and Zach Martin and Connor Williams did a great job in the middle giving Dak room to throw all day long because Dak at no point in the game looked uncomfortable. And I think that's when we've seen Dak be at his best and at his worst. When he's comfortable, he's been really good. And when he's uncomfortable and he's got happy feet and he's got someone in his face, he hasn't been that great. And I think that was the big difference, aside from some of the route concepts and you know schematic things that are happening offensively, more than anything – your quarterback was comfortable, and I think uh, you made a great point. The offensive line deserves a lot of credit for that. The uh, the receiving core as well, though. I just, um, it you know, we talk about these guys, uh, and we've talked about them on this show many times. And you know, I'm writing about them during OTAs and mini camp and and training camp. And you know, you're writing about Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper and Randall Cobb and what they what they can bring. And you know, you kind of step back and you're like, well, am I overselling this because they're just going against their own defense and, you know, yeah, they look crisp, but I mean, they're not really hitting in practice. So, I mean, shouldn't they look crisp? And to see it click like that in the first game and just the way Dak was spreading the ball around, it was just like, it was like everything that you could, you could hope for uh, if you're a new play caller. Like, I mean, it just seemed like everything that Kellen Moore called and everything that they ran was like the perfect play. I mean, it, it, the only negative I can even find off of anything they did today was there was just one in particular play I didn't like at all, and it was a it was a run with Dak, and and then he's sitting there trying to get the first down, so he's got his hand out and he's trying to like push off, uh, you know, a, a defensive lineman or it might have been a linebacker, I don't remember, but it just when that play happened, I'm just thinking, yeah, if he breaks his throwing hand doing something like that on just one run, uh, yeah, you get the first down, but it's just like what a big loss that would be for the team, depending on how long you could be out in those situations. And he's done that in years past, and they've talked to him about it. You know, 
it's the competitor in them. I get it. It's easy to sit there and say, don't do this. But then when it actually happens, you've been doing this all your life and that's what your reflex is. But that's the one thing where I'm just like, I mean, they do need Dak to run, I think, to add another element. But if they're drawing up plays like this, they don't need him that much. And, and they really need to keep him out of harm's way at, at, you know, at all costs. He needs to be able to slide. He needs to be able to get out of bounds. You just really don't want to see him trying to stiff arm guys you know, with his throwing hand. But other than that, I mean, there's really nothing you can point your finger to other than that that you were like, well, that didn't look good. No, I, I absolutely agree with you there on that. And, and you know, it didn't – in the beginning, after the, the Giants scored, it was 7 nothing. There were some difficult conversions that had to be made on that second drive. Uh, they had two back-to-back third and fours, and they hit uh, Cobb on one and hit Gallup on the other. Gallup had 158 yards today. Amari Cooper, a 100-yard game. Uh, Randall Cobb, four catches for 69 yards. And you sit there and go, okay, this trio of wide receivers is going to be pretty solid, it looks like. But this is where you kind of start going, okay, let's let's temper things a little bit. It was the Giants, a very bad Giants team who you could tell was was hurting defensively, losing Landon Collins. And you know, Jabril Peppers is not a good player. I'm sorry, he's just not. You had a rookie cornerback in De- uh, DeAndre Baker who – he got bullied a little bit by Cooper, you know, releasing off the line. And, you know, there's a lot of things with the Cowboys are, are flat out the better team. I just, I'm not the type, especially in week one in division games that can sometimes get a little weird. I'm not the type to go, well, the Giants suck, so this doesn't matter. I'm the type that went, dang, did we dominate them today? How about that? We'll clean up all the things, but it feels good to go dominate them, man. I'm not going to be one of those guys who, you know, uh, takes away credit from the Cowboys just because they played a bad team. I'm not going to do that. How do you feel about that? No, I get it, man. A win is a win, and, and especially in a division like that. I mean, like we we all predicted that they would beat the Giants. I thought it would be, you know, maybe a touchdown game, 10 points at the most. But uh, to dominate them like that, to turn that stadium into a place that was doing the wave in the third quarter and, and, and the, the players on the bench had to try and get the crowd into it on third downs uh, on defense because fans were just like, why am I going to cheer? This thing's in the bag. Like, there's no, I'm not wasting my time. Like, we're just enjoying this moment now. But uh, I didn't think any of that would happen. So, yeah, no, you should, you should definitely be pleased. And the other thing is I'll say is – the running game, although, you know, Zeke had the 13 for 53 and, and you know, he had the touchdown and all that, but it wasn't your typical Zeke 100-yard game. That's going to come, especially with this offensive line. The, if, if you're a Cowboys fan, the thing that you need to be most excited about is the fact that this team is built to win wherever against whoever. They can win in the cold. They can run the football. Uh, they can win inside and, and putting up points like they did today, uh, barring everybody staying healthy. But as long as that happens – they're showing you that they, ha- you know, it's one thing to sit there and look at this team on paper and say, hey, they look like they're talented top to bottom, got great depth, both sides of the ball. They're in great shape. It's another to actually go see it out on the field. And then the other thing is, too, is that you have on the defensive side of the ball that the way those guys act in the locker room, you would have thought they lost the game. Demarcus Lawrence was mad. He thought they should have played a lot better. So it's not like they just played their best game ever. And, and this is the result. There's there's tons of stuff they can do even better than this. Uh, so, yeah, no, fans should definitely be excited about this. This is uh this is a huge win to start the season. I think it's a, and it's a statement. Other teams around the league, other people around the league are going to see this and be like, damn, maybe the Cowboys are for real. I love that you said that too, that they can kind of win no matter what the style, no matter what the game dictates. And you also made a, a point uh, kind of towards the beginning of this podcast that, you know, hey, that's the first game of tape out on Kellen Moore. I remember a Romo doing an offseason interview saying, hey, man, what's, you know, other coaches around the league get the tape on Moore, you know, you 
he builds up tendencies. Right now, he doesn't have tendencies. And that's something that's a, you know, kind of interesting thing to think about. One thing that did cross my mind, and we'll kind of kind of work our way through the game a little bit. After the Giants had that big, uh, they had the big 59-yard run from Saquon, and then we had the Malik Collins kind of weird personal foul where he just kind of half-heartedly pushed a guy, but he shouldn't have done it. And that led to an easy touchdown to make it 7-0. And then the Cowboys ended up scoring on the touchdown pass to Jarwin, who was running wide open over the middle of the field. And it became quite clear early on, a part of the game plan was to attack the middle and deep part of the field, much like it was in week 17 of last year. But on that ball, it didn't look like Dak threw it very well. Did did you notice anything just while you were there, anything with his hand or having sweat on his hands or anything? Because they didn't look like he had a good grip on that ball. He just kind of flung it out there and Jarwin, you know, adjusted on the fly. But it ended up being okay just because, you know, he caught it. But it was a very, very weird throw at the time. Well, now talking to Jarwin, he was saying that it was so wide open that even for him, he was just like, Everything kind of <laughs> slows down for you because you're just like, oh my God, don't drop this, don't drop this. I'm going to look like an idiot if I drop this ball right now. And I feel like with Dak, it was probably some something similar where it's like, this is so wide open. I just just don't mess this up. And I think that's why he kind of almost like double clutched a little bit and, and it kind of hesitated because it was like, well, don't throw this like you normally would. Throw this that so you're throwing it just like so he can just run underneath it. Just, you know, so there's no even a little bit of difficulty to it. So I think that's kind of why it was there. The other thing I will say is that, so that's a play that typically they run to Witten. And so yeah. Dak said when they were in the huddle and that Kellen Moore called that play into the headset, Dak looked at the huddle and he goes, oh, man, Witten's going to be mad about this one that we're calling this right now. Cause that's his, his play that he, you know, he obviously likes to run a lot. And so I don't know if that's the thing with Witten is, is he going to be that wide open? Because I don't know if anybody just is going to leave him that wide open. Uh, where obviously the Giants should be leaving, shouldn't be leaving Blake Jarwin that wide open, considering what he did to them the last time that they played. But uh, but I think that that's why I think it was just like it's not the typical play that they run, and then it was just so wide open that I think he I think Dak just hesitated a little bit. Yeah, with those those are plays like that, man. I want Jarwin getting those looks, not Witten. No offense, what Witten did today in the intermediate areas that's what Witten is here for. You know, that's where he can really help that help out the passing game. I don't know if down the seams, if he can send me, maybe he can, I can still do that a little bit, but you know, Jarwin's a very good athlete and I think a better athlete than he gets credit for. So I want him in the game running that route, not, not Witten. Now we're trying to talk about the start of the game. It wasn't, you said, you mentioned DeMarcus Lawrence was mad in the locker, but it really wasn't a great first quarter. Now they threw the ball 12 times. They ran it six times. The Giants got the ball back and were tied at seven. If you remember, John, the Giants were driving down the field and uh, Dallas had 12 men on the field, but we called a timeout that ended up, you know, a whole, stopping the drive really for the Giants. They would have had, been given a first down, um, you know, if we didn't call a timeout. I say we, if Dallas didn't call a timeout with no, a couple no, you seconds, can take credit left. for it. <laughs> yeah, take credit for it, KT. Yeah, absolutely right. But I was sitting there and Shermer <laughs> was mad like it shouldn't have been called. But I thought that was a big play in the game because at the time it was. Tight. It was seven seven. You didn't realize what the offense was about to do, and that was that was kind of a big play. And then Dallas gets the ball, and this is kind of where everything turns. They get the ball in the five yard line to start the second quarter, and they go ten plays, ninety three yards in five minutes, including the deep ball to Gallup off the off the left side. Um, and then I think the Randall Cobb third down play will be a play that we remember, no matter how long or short his tenure is with the Cowboys. 
that will be one of the legacy plays of the Randall Cobb Cowboys era is that third down play where he extended uh, extended the drive to get the first down. Dak actually said that that was his favorite play uh, or his favorite throw of all the throws he made after the game. You know, I mean, this is obviously right after the game. He doesn't get a chance to go back and watch everything. You know, I would personally say that throw to Cooper because that's a perfect ball that he threw the touchdown ball to, to Amari Cooper. I, I think that that's as good of a throw as anybody could possibly make in that situation. I thought he was going to say that one, but he actually said the the third down throw that you just talked about to, to Cobb was was his favorite throw of the game. You know, as the the Witten play too. Uh, I mean, there's a very easy touchdown right there, and that got him up fourteen seven. Then the defense kind of started playing, and I think you know Barkley's tough. Barkley will break out off a run against anyone. Like that's just going to happen when he plays Saquon. What was your vibe of how the defense uh, handled him? I, he, I know, you know, he was. After the 59-yarder, they kind of held him in check pretty good. He's tough to bring down, but it's not like there were a lot of seven, eight-yard runs that he was just reeling off. He had that one big one, and then they they kind of kept him in check pretty much throughout the rest of the day. And, you know, the Giants just didn't give him the ball that much either. What was your kind of vibe and read on how the Cowboys felt about how they played Saquon? Defensively, I don't think that they were happy. And it's funny because you mentioned about the uh, – you know, them calling that timeout and how that was a big play early. And now, you know, this game was essentially, you know, a 35-10 game, you know, it ends up being 35-17 and you think, ah, it wasn't that close. Well, little things like that do make it close because as long as it stays close, they continue to hand the ball off to Saquon Barkley and who knows what happens then. I mean, the guy was averaging, I think he averaged 10, 11 yards per carry in this game. Who knows how many other big runs he potentially breaks off, but he's not put in that position because the offense starts pulling away. So then you have to start throwing more. So, my big takeaway is that the offense doing what they did helped the defense out a lot because then it took the, them away from handing it off as much as they probably would like to hand it to Saquon. My other thought was, my God, what Saquon Barkley would look like playing on this Cowboys team with that offensive line, with those receivers. I just, you know, you talk about how depleted that, you know, defense is for the Giants. I mean, not having Odell Beckham out there on the offense. We know that Eli Manning isn't what he once he what he once was, and and I don't know that a rookie Daniel Jones is going to make things any better anytime soon. I mean, Will Hernandez is, is an outstanding offensive lineman, but I don't look at that line and think it's anything special. Uh, there's just not a lot. I mean, Golden Tate is one of the receivers they signed in the offseason. He's obviously suspended. There just there isn't a lot of weapons there to kind of offset Saquon Barkley. So, you know, it'd almost be like the Cowboys not having really any good wide receivers and just leaning on Ezekiel Elliott. And we kind of saw what that looked like before they traded for Amari Cooper. And, and obviously Gallup was still young and they didn't have Witten last year. We've seen what that looks like. And so uh, they're basically fortunate that they get to play the Giants twice because I don't see why they shouldn't uh, beat them again when they go to the, go up to New York. Yeah, that second quarter is obviously where they won the game and extended that lead. Because after they got that stop and they went up 14-7, um, they continue to control the ball through the air. We've seen this team be a controlling I mean, a ball control type of team with Zeke and running the ball for years. To see them control the ball through the air was just so pleasing. You know, just to go, okay, any type of uh, ball you want to play. And that's when he hit Cooper deep up the left side. I mean, Cooper just played DeAndre ba- uh, DeAndre Baker on that release. He kind of he did the little skip release where he's uh, kind of faking like he's going to throttle down. And then he shoots it out to the left side. And then that's up 21-7, and Dak was 20 for 26 at the half with three touchdowns. And I know for for me at halftime, I was going, okay, well, that was awesome. But in the past, we've seen them in the third quarter just kind of work the clock a little bit and really, you know, uh, 
really focus in on the run game. And then that didn't happen. They continued to come out and push the ball down the field. That was one of the, uh, I guess, more positive aspects of the game for me is that they really did, you know, uh, put the foot on the throttle. Yeah, yeah, and just the way they spread the ball around to all those wide receivers, like you're saying, they they almost turned it into their running game with how often, you know, they were thrown, whether it be to Witt and Jarwin, to Cobb, you know, Cooper, Gallup, and then even though they did the uh, the deep ball to Jameez Alawali, who it didn't work, but Alawali got open. That was probably that might have been Dak's worst throw because Alawali was wide open down that right sideline, and that is a play that we've seen them work on several times throughout training camp, and and they've connected on it. I thought that was interesting that they showed that. Um, but yeah, the way they spread it around really impressed me. And then the other thing is that the way they were spreading it around and that one of those targets went to Tony Pollard. And so when I step away and I and I look at the box score and I think back to the game after it's over, just that part of it's kind of stood out to me because I'm just like, yeah, that's probably because they, that's just, they're trying, they, wouldn't, they didn't want to show everything in week one. I just find it hard to believe that, that Kellen Moore doesn't have a series of, of different plays to Tony Pollard because yeah, he got ended up getting 13 carries, but that's because the game was out of hand late. Like if it was a closer game, I don't know that he gets as many touches. So you still have that Tony Pollard factor that he really didn't factor in as much as he potentially could as well. So while they did have all these targets, all these receivers and everything seemed to be clicking. I, I mean, there's still obviously more out there that they can do. I don't think we've come close to seeing, you know, everything in the arsenal. I'm really loving the idea of, of uh, Kellen Moore being this innocent genius uh, you know, because I could see him in a way going, well, we do play Washington next week and everyone's keying in and talking about Tony Pollard because Zeke's on a pitch count. Oh, just wait. Oh, just wait. We've got stuff for Tony Pollard next week. You know, and he could shell that out uh, all the way around. So, I mean, it was, it was just a really good day, man. I, I thought uh, I thought the pass defense was fine. I mean, if you look at Eli's numbers – Eli's box score is good, 30 of 44 for 306 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions. But, you know, they were not – there was not a lot of uh, guys running free down the field for the Giants. There was one play, I know, where uh, Cody Latimer beat Cheeto. But, man, that was good coverage. Cheeto didn't get his head around, but that was really good coverage. You know, and the Giants had to go for it on fourth down to extend that drive in the third quarter. Yeah, and, the, and the Giants don't have that true wide receiver one right now. And I don't even know if you would call Golden Tate that. They've just got, you know, with Shepard and Evan Ingram can kind of be a kind of I kind of call him a wide receiver two type of guy. And he had a big day, but it was not a ton of stuff down the field that made you go, "Ooh, I'm worried about the pass defense." I felt real good about the pass defense, and I thought it was very notable. What were your thoughts about how they implemented Byron into the defense today? Just kind of sprinkling him in there from time to time. Yeah, so I heard that he didn't work at all with the ones. Um, during practice this past week. And uh, that was interesting to me because essentially during the season, all we get to see is like the first 20 minutes of actual practice. We get to see about 10 minutes of stretching and then 20 minutes of practice, which is just really individual drills. There's a little bit of offense that they do on air where kind of you can see some different plays that they set up and things like that, where sometimes they do they do work on some fakes in there that kind of surprised me. I'm like, guys, we're only in here for 20 minutes. You couldn't save that to later in practice. Like that's what really the first time <laughs> I ever saw uh, them bring in Jordan Lewis last year on offense. But anyway, um, I digress here. I lost, I lost my train of thought, but no, the DBs though, all across the board, which is, I think as a, as Byron continues to work back in, he'll, he's obviously going to get back in, into the starting lineup. But the guy that really stood out to me was Jordan Lewis, because a lot of people write him off because he doesn't have that size, the prototypical Chris Richard size. But 
like we saw throughout camp, like when he gets these opportunities, you know, he just got, he's fiery. He's got, he's, he's a little bit like Orlando Scandrick on the field. He's different in the locker room. Uh, he's much more approachable in the locker room. Uh, but he just got that, he's, he's got that fire on the field that just, there's something about him that, you know, he just kind of always feels like he's the underdog and, and, and he uses that to his strength. And the way he played in this game, I thought was outstanding. And, and as you mentioned, that one ball to Cheeto, I absolutely agree with you hundred percent. I mean, that's great, great grab. I mean, that's, that's, those are the type of plays that are going to be made in the NFL, you know, that just, you're going to have to tip your cap and then go to the next one. But overall, I thought Cheeto played well. And then, so Anthony Brown, I, I thought he was solid. I, I don't remember anything that really stood out. I, I know he missed one tackle early on, but other than that, I thought he was pretty solid, just like he was in camp. I and mean, they're deep at corner right now. And, and obviously with the way teams pass the ball in the NFL, that's a good spot to be in. No, it absolutely is. And I, I thought uh, overall, you know, you get through that game and you go, okay, one and oh, very nice. And then you have a little bit of Dak talk. Jerry had a few comments afterwards. I'm sure you were around around that area, but some of the things Jerry said is that a contract was, might be imminent, and he mentioned that it could be a couple days or a few days. Uh, I know no one's going to react and change Dak's market value based on one 400-yard passing day where he was pretty much flawless. Uh, I know that's not going to change the market value too much, but do you see this thing getting done maybe more than you did Last week, you think we're getting a little closer here? I don't. I really don't. I don't think that anything's changed in their negotiations because of this game. I, I really don't. And, um, you know, I'd heard that they had been working at it a little bit more this weekend and they just couldn't come to, you know, a middle ground. I think they'll continue to work during the season. Uh, and I and eventually I do think it, it does get done, but maybe it's midway through the season. Maybe it's not until the season's over, but I, I mean, Hey, it could be next week, but I'm just saying, I don't think there's nothing right now that makes me think like it's, you know, when you, when you knew that they were, they were really pressing with Zeke and Zeke was flying back from Cabo. You're just like, Hey, week one's about to start. They want to get this done. They can't afford to not have him, you know, with a guy actually holding out, you feel a momentum there. I just, I've never felt this any momentum with this. And, and obviously if, if you're Dak Prescott, the way he looked, you're just kind of like, it doesn't seem to be bothering him that he's he's in this contract year when he just played arguably the best game he's ever played for the Dallas Cowboys. So uh, if you're him, why not wait it out? Because, I mean, as long as he stays healthy every day that goes by, there's a, there's a chance another quarterback signs a deal, and that just means more money for him. And it just doesn't seem to really bother him. And then if you're the Cowboys, you got to just kind of look at it like we got to eventually agree on something. And if we don't, at worst, we have to, we have to franchise him. I mean, you're not letting him go. This is your guy. So, uh, you know, Fortunately, there is a franchise tag that they have to play uh, if it gets to that. But eventually, I think it does get done because obviously Dak wants to be here and they want Dak to be their franchise quarterback. And and Dak obviously is in a great situation with all the weapons they have in the offense. And he obviously loves Kellen Moore. But, uh, you know, it's just tough because just because Jerry says stuff like he always says, just because I said it doesn't mean it's so. Um, it's hard for me to think that all of a sudden it's going to get done. It was good to see Zeke get rolling on that final drive and he ends up getting a touchdown. Uh, I noticed he had the one carry for about eight yards, and he got up, and I thought he was about to start doing the feed Zeke thing, and then he didn't. And I almost looked on TV <laughs> like he restrained himself from doing that, um, like he was about to raise the hand with the spoon and almost get it towards the mouth. I missed that, <laughs> um, but he didn't. Like he, it just maybe I was just uh, maybe it was what I was feeling, but it it just felt like he was wanting to go and do the whole feed Zeke thing. It was an eight-yard run. So, he didn't get the first down. He couldn't do the, the first down sign. But I started going in my head, 
man, that could be the end of the feed Zeke thing. I know we got him paid and got the contract and all that stuff, but uh, you know the way this team's gonna if they if they want to play like this, and this is what a lot of the modern NFL is doing, aside from a few teams who are kind of zigzagging. Uh, with Seattle and, you know, maybe Baltimore's going to run a lot, although Baltimore went bomb ski today against uh, Miami. They didn't care. They were airing it out. But Jacksonville's going to try to run the ball a lot. You got a few teams like that. And I started going, man, this team's not going to rely on Zeke near as much as they have until they have to. And you know what? They may not have to at all. But we know he's there and he's like a great insurance policy if they're having trouble protecting the passer or they're having trouble, you know, getting the ball out and getting open downfield. That's kind of the way I viewed Zeke now. And I never thought I would think that after they signed that deal with Zeke that he, he would be, a, you know, just kind of supplemental piece to the bigger thing. I thought, okay, if you sign the guy, it's because he's he's the guy. And you're that's, that's not the way this is going to work. And I'm not overreacting to one game. I think Kellen Moore truly understands where the NFL is going and kind of where it is and where it's been. And I think they're going to keep slinging it around pretty much, uh, you know, quite a bit. Nah, I think the days of Zeke getting 25 to 30 carries a game, I think they're pretty much over, man. That's interesting. I, I, the only reason why I wonder if they are is just because if this game's closer, I just think that you see a lot of them using Zeke again like they did in the previous years to try and run clock. And I think he ends up getting up to 20 carries if it ends up being, let's say, a 35-28 final score and it's close in the fourth quarter. I just... I just have always felt that's what Jason Garrett wants, and that's why they like Zeke so much is because he can run out clock when they get a lead. Now, I don't think it's going to be as heavy as it has been in the past, so I agree with you on the you know the 30-plus carries, but I still think at the end of the year you can pencil them in 20 carries a game and, and you know another you know three, four targets a game as well. Um, I think it depends on other defenses too. If they continue yeah, to throw like fair. this, you have they're going to have to adjust. They're going to have to they're going to have to drop guys back, and as soon as they do that and, and they take an extra guy out of the box. Uh, you know, with that that offensive line, as long as it's healthy, I just find it hard to believe that that they're not going to be run heavy because it it does all fit together. You know, like like I was watching that LSU Texas game and you know being friends with with Dave Hellman, who's obviously a big LSU fan. You know, he's talking about how all of a sudden LSU is this throwing team now, but now they can't stop anybody in defense. Well, no, but it's because it works together. And so one of the reasons why they've, they've liked leaning on Zeke in the running game is because that helps your defense. It gives you these long drives that eats up clock. Your defense gets to sit on the sideline for a little bit. Well, if you're just throwing it around all the time and you're getting these big scores, while that looks great in the scoreboard, it also puts your defense right back out there again in, in a situation where if the other team's pretty good on offense, they can match it right back. And so I think that they like the Zeke more than just on the offense side. I think Garrett likes it too because of what it does you know, for the defense. And so because of that and because of what they paid him, it's kind of one of those, like, today was great, but I guess I just need to keep seeing more, and I'll believe yeah. it the longer it goes. Yeah, and I, I, don't, want to, I don't want anyone to um, misinterpret my last point, because I think what I meant was, if they have to play that way, they will. They absolutely will, and you make a great point about Jason. That is so true. Um, but I, I think that there is at least desire to not have to play that way. But you're right. I mean, uh, part of the offense being so up and down over the last three years has been what you've said. It all works together. And if one of those things falls apart, like Tyron Smith's back or, you know, um, Dez getting cut and not having a number one wide receiver. If one of those things doesn't you know work out, then it, it, all, it all kind of falls apart. 
It, 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 it is kind of funny though that you you know you mentioned that you know the differences though between those two guys because I'd like to see some behind the scenes between Jason Garrett and Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore obviously representing the now new age type offense, and then Jason Garrett representing obviously what worked in the '90s. Both super intelligent guys who aren't really known to say a lot. I mean, you know, both of them when they talk to us, I mean, those are those are two guys you're not likely to get a big time quote from. Uh, it would be interesting to watch them two behind the scenes when it's just them two, whether it be during the offseason or even, let's say, during during the week, and just hear their, them go back and forth on their philosophies because there's a lot of similarities between them, whether it be their playing careers, being backup quarterbacks in the NFL, then getting to be offensive quarterback coaches, offensive coordinators, things like that. It would be interesting to see how different they are because I, I am with you. I think if Kellen Moore, was, it was just all him, and he was – it was just he had the final say in everything on offense. I agree with you. I think there would be uh, maybe less of of the running it down your throat with Ezekiel Elliott. But as long as Garrett's the head coach, I just have always felt like that's going to be a big part of the game. That's why he got Murray and did what they did there, and that's why they used that fourth overall pick on Zeke. I, I'm not going to live in the past here, but what you're saying is so interesting to me, and I think it does impact the future. Is I have uh, I've always been a believer that Scott Linehan was done when they decided to trade for Cooper. It was basically, okay, we gave you everything you wanted, and then you it didn't work, you know, basically. So when they traded for Cooper, I always thought that was basically Linehan's out, and the decision was kind of made. But because Jason Garrett's first NFL, you know, coaching job was being a coach on Linehan's offensive staff in Miami with Saban that year, that it was always going to be uncomfortable to get rid of Linehan during the season. And I will never forget the rumors or the stories, and I believe it. I don't know what you heard, but the Week 17 game last year against the Giants where basically Linehan was handed the play sheet and you call the plays, but the game plan was done between Jason, Kellen, uh, Nussmeyer, and uh, the wide receiver coach Sanjay Law. And it was a collaborative effort. And if you go back to some of Kellen Moore's early quotes from the offseason and his first interviews after being named offensive coordinator, he said a little things like, uh, collaborative, that's what it is. That's what our offense is. It's collaborative. So I just think all that's interesting. Um, I'm not saying it is or is it the way things went down. And I'm not saying that it even matters anymore because it truly doesn't. You know, But I do think Garrett and Kellen Moore may have that special chemistry right now at least. To where they are good to work together, and maybe that maybe that happens and, and goes away after you know a certain period of time. But I would say the early returns would tell you things are fine. I'm not overreacting to one game. I think there was a chain of events that led to this, and I think in week 17, when Lenahan was pushed out of the game plan, or at least rumored to be pushed out of the game plan, I think that set off a light bulb in, in everyone's head that said, "Oh wait, we can throw the ball." We can attack the middle of the field. We can, you know, do some different things in the offense because that week 17 game last year against the Giants, even though it was meaningless, looked way different than any other game they played last year. And it looked way more similar to what they did today, you know, than what we've seen over the past three years. So I just think all that's something, it's something to at least keep in mind. As we see the wrinkles in the offense come into fruition here in 2019. My, my most interesting, I'll let you go on this one just real quick. I wanted to get this in here was just that my most interesting thing when I look back to Linehan is that I always felt that he was conservative to a certain degree because Dak Prescott was the quarterback and he was working in this young quarterback and gradually trying to put more on his plate, but he didn't want to do anything 
to, that would be confusing him at all. So he wanted to keep it as simple as possible and just throws that he trusted him on and, and really never opened him up completely uh, because, you know, he was trying to gradually bring him along. And because and, the last thing, a lot of people say this about quarterbacks, the last thing you want to do is ruin them young because the, the chances you bounce it back. I mean, I see it all the time with, with Jameis Winston. I mean, he's gone. Like, they're just, he's not the guy that he was at Florida State. Like, I don't know if you ever get that back. Obviously, you know, Tampa Bay went out of their way to try and put these quarterback gurus around him. It doesn't appear to be working. And so the last thing you want to do is ruin a quarterback young. So it's almost like I felt like he was being too conservative with Dak. And the reason why I find that so interesting is because anybody that I talk to about this says that he's the one that really stood on the table for Dak Prescott in that fourth round, that he was the one that was like, guys, I'm telling you, let's go with it. I mean, Wade Wilson was a big part of it too. But I mean, it doesn't. It's not that long ago to where they were trying to trade up to get Paxton Lynch. When early in the fourth round, they were trying to draft Connor Cook. I mean, it wasn't until late in the fourth round that they went to this guy, and that speaks to a coaching staff standing on the table, being like, "This is our guy." And, and the people I talked to say that Lenahan was number one on that. So it's interesting how all of this worked out because if Dak keeps having the success, I'm sure there's a lot of people in the organization that are gonna be like, "It's kind of interesting that like Scott had a huge part of that, and obviously he's not here anymore." I've always thought the Chaz Green game in 2017. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, kind of took away the, I guess, the good remarks that Linehan should have been receiving for the 2016 season. I thought that one game kind of did that, but either way, we're here now in 2019, and this team looked pretty dangerous today. Uh, we're not jumping the gun; it's just week one. But the Cowboys with a huge win at home. I would call this, John, a blowout victory. They don't have many of these. 35-17. to 17. We're coming off a couple years of a lot of one-score games. 35-17. Dak, four touchdown passes, over 400 yards passing. Um, really spread it around all day long, and the Cowboys ended up dominating the game. And they are 1-0. And we will do this again later in the week when we get ready to go face the 0-1 Washington Redskins, who... Got up on the Eagles today 20-7 and then ended up blowing that lead and then losing 32-27 to to Philadelphia. So we'll get you ready for Cowboys and Redskins a little bit later in the week with our, uh, with our game preview. So uh, for John Mashoda, for Kent Garrison, I'm Kevin KT Turner. And uh, hey, we're 1-0. How about them Cowboys? <laughs>